The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard. And I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest today is Steve Smith, Communications Director for the California Labor Federation, and also a person working on Proposition 22. So, Steve, what the what happened yesterday was kind of a crazy day. Uber and Lyft were, were suspending operations, and then they weren't. They changed their mind, and a judge gave them time to reflect on this and get together an appeal and basically strung it out. So where are we on that? Yeah, first of all, pleasure to join both of you. And yeah, yesterday was a real uh, roller coaster. We saw uh, Uber and Lyft uh, actually put out announcements that they were going to suspend operations at 11.59 yesterday evening. Uh, and that uh, uh, they pulled back those announcements when the Court of Appeals ruled that there would be an extended stay on the injunction that the Attorney General had filed against Uber and Lyft, which basically gave them uh, a bit of a reprieve in that they have a little more time and that they're, they're not going to be forced to comply with the law immediately. Uh, but the judge also made uh, some interesting stipulations as part of that extended stay uh, that I think really holds the, the company's feet to the fire. What do you think now then is the next step? Well, I think really a lot of this is going to come down to Proposition 22, and voters are going to be able to decide whether we should allow corporations like Uber and Lyft to write their own laws that exempt them from uh, all labor standards and basic protections that workers in California get, or if as a state we're going to say no, uh, no corporation is above the law, we should hold them to the same, same standards we hold everyone else. Do you have any, uh, Steve, do you have any notion as to how many workers we're talking about? What the, the worker population for these two companies in California? Do you have any estimate yeah. on that? Yeah, it's, it's about 600, 700,000. Uh, because they're, they're misclassified as independent contractors, we don't have the ability to track them in the same way that we do uh, for most other employees in the state of California. But Given the company's own estimates, uh, we're talking in the range of six hundred to seven thousand, seven hundred thousand workers. If they were um, uh, classified as employees, does that open the door for for organized labor to get in there and organize them and sign them up? Well, listen, there are, is already a lot of organizing happening amongst and led by Uber and Lyft drivers. Uh, we know of about fifty thousand drivers across the state right now that are organizing with various groups that are all driver-led, uh, that, that really, uh, you know, aren't affiliated with unions. And we support that. We think that, that that's how it should be. In terms of the question about whether or not they would unionize in the future, I mean, that's up to them. Sure. Everyone should have the right to say, I want to stand together with my co co-workers and bargain collectively with my employer. Uh, we believe that strongly. But that's not really what Proposition 22 is about. For Uber and Lyft, it's not uh, necessarily a way to avoid unionization. It's a way to avoid every single labor law we've put on the books over decades. I'm talking about a minimum wage or overtime pay, paid sick days, unemployment insurance, workers' comp, 
all the things that we have in place to protect workers in California, Uber and Lyft want to exempt themselves from those basic protections and providing those protections to their workers. That's what's at stake with Prop 22. Well, and, and one thing you touched on was that people should have the right to organize. And as independent contractors, they are strictly forbidden from organizing because that would be price fixing. Can you can you explain the, the logic behind that? Yeah, that's, that's correct. It's a vi- violation of uh, antitrust law. Uh, for them to uh, organize under under the current uh, federal laws. So they are not covered by the National Labor Relations Act if they are classified as independent contractors, meaning they are strictly barred uh, from organizing. Um, we think that, that that's a, a shame uh, that, you know, companies as wealthy and power as Uber and Lyft, powerful as Uber and Lyft would have the ability to uh, not negotiate in any way, shape, or form uh, with those drivers who actually make the company their money. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a real concern, especially given uh, that court after court after court has said that Uber and Lyft are misclassifying these drivers as independent contractors. They never should have been independent contractors in the first place, meaning had Uber and Lyft just followed the law, workers would have access to all of those protections and benefits I talked about, and they would have the right to organize. Are there any other companies, we uh, talk a lot about Uber and Lyft, but are there others out there, other types of other companies out there that would be also affected by, by this, like I don't know, DoorDash, yes. Grubhub? I mean, are there others? Uh, that you yeah, can DoorDash, <clears throat> Grubhub, Instacart, uh, Postmates, which is now getting folded into Uber, uh, all of these companies uh, are, basically have the same business model as Uber and Lyft. Uh, they misclassify their workers and offer zero protections to those workers. So all of these companies would be impacted. And for us, the question really is, is not only about who's impacted right now, but who's going to be impacted in the future. If we give these companies a, a blank check, uh, to, to basically write their own laws, we're going to see these companies expand in a pretty dramatic way. That's going to put more jobs uh, on the line that, you know, currently are, are decent jobs with good wages that could turn into these low-wage, low dead-end gig jobs. Um, that's a direction we all should be concerned about in terms of where our economy goes in the future. Do you see that California... Uh, proposition Proposition 22, do you see that uh, those companies trying to replicate that in other states? Has it already been in other states? Is this a, a California they, unique? You know, problem? they fight regulation tooth and nail in every state in which they exist. And, and the laws are different, of course, in every state, and so their response is different. But, you know, I'll give you an example. In Texas a few years back, there was, there was a, a law that passed that said they had to provide uh, background checks, Uber and Lyft, and, and fingerprinting for their drivers to make sure that passengers were safe. Really a reasonable law. Uber and Lyft uh, in, in the city of Austin, uh, where that, that regulation was passed, actually pulled out of Austin uh, until the state of Texas, under a Republican governor, uh, withdrew uh, that law. And, you know, as a result, uh, the fingerprinting never happened. And, and so, you know, this is just one example of how these companies extort 
state legislatures and other politicians to agree with them uh, by threatening what they did in California yesterday, which is to pull out of the state uh, or the jurisdiction. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in Austin, when they pulled out, didn't that open the door for a startup that was, I think, an employee-owned sort of version of of ride-sharing to pop up? Yeah. I'm not sure how long it lasted, but I know... I remember that that happened at the yeah, time. It was, a, it was a cooperative called Austin Ride. That's that right, came yeah. in and, and provided the same service that Uber and Lyft do, except they did it right. They did it under under a model in which drivers are treated fairly and not exploited. And uh, they lasted uh, until Uber and Lyft got their way in the state legislature and then decided to come back to Austin. And, you know, the company, unfortunately, just couldn't compete with these behemoth corporations uh, for market share in that city and eventually went out of business. But yeah, you know, that's the other thing that I think is important here. You know, Uber and Lyft use these threats uh, to really hammer uh, politicians over the head with that, oh, you know, the world's going to come to an end, we're going to leave, and uh, everybody's going to be without a, a ride when they need one. Well, what we've seen in other jurisdictions is companies will step up. And, and there were even a few here in California that started talking about if Uber and Lyft leave, you know, we're going to come in and do this the right way. So, you know, it's a threat that they use often in other jurisdictions. Sometimes they follow through, sometimes they don't. But we think that there is a way to do this right. Uh, the Uber and Lyft model is not the end-all be-all. Uh, you can comply with the law, provide basic protections to your workers, and make a healthy profit. Uh, businesses all over this country do it every day. Now, do you know off the top of your head, what is the business, the Uber and Lyft, what's the value of their business in California? I mean, it's got to be in the yeah. billions. Do you have yeah, any idea so, what, what uh, Combined, the two companies are worth somewhere in the range of $40 billion. Uh, and and uh, Uber alone right now, uh, and this is according to their filings, has about twelve billion dollars cash on hand, uh, meaning that those are liquid assets that they could use immediately to comply with the law to provide workers with basic protections. Uh, so these these companies are are not poverty stricken in any way, shape, or form. They're actually some of the wealthiest companies we have here in California. How would that translate, do you think, into um, their ability to provide benefits? I mean, if they have that much money, then offering hospitalization and health care and raises and, and that kind of thing to their employees is, cert- is doable, is, is your position, correct? It's absolutely doable. And I would also say that, you know, Uber often makes the, the argument that, oh, we can't afford to make everybody a full-time employee. Well, we're not asking that they make everybody a full-time employee. In fact, nobody's asking that. Uh, you know, there are many, many uh, businesses in California that operate with a lot of part-time employees uh, and still comply with the law. Uh, that's all essentially Uber would have to do. And, and even on something like health care benefits, yes, we would like them to provide some level of health care benefits, uh, but that's not required uh, under the law for a part-time worker. The things that we're really talking about are really the bare minimum that any company should be doing, like a minimum wage or, you know, providing unemployment insurance if somebody gets laid off or workers' comp if they're injured on the job. Those are the, those are the bare minimum costs that, that Uber and Lyft 
uh, would have to pick up if they reclassified their drivers. And when you're talking about companies that have $10 billion on hand, they could certainly do this in, a, in, a, in an instant if they wanted to. The workers' comp one is the one that really shocked me. Uh, I read a horror story about a driver that had been in, a, in an accident. Yeah. And that there was no coverage for that through their their rideshare job really was shocking to me. And I guess that's my ignorance, but I was amazed that they were not required to to cover their employees in that case. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know, you know, the the devastating consequences of of having misclassification occur on this kind of scale. Because remember, we're talking about 700,000 or so workers. Any one of those workers could get injured on the job, and they're basically bankrupt uh, because they can't afford their medical bills. Uh, you know, and this is this is you know we we take for granted that workers have certain protections and rights uh, that are afforded to them, and and that that exists for everybody, but it doesn't. It doesn't exist when companies like Uber and Lyft figure out how to cheat and skirt the law uh, and their own workers pay the price. And we as taxpayers, I should add, pay the price because, you know, when somebody goes to the emergency room and they can't afford to pay, that's something that taxpayers have to pick up. When somebody uh, has to go on government assistance because they're getting paid less than minimum wage, taxpayers have to pick up. So while Uber is sitting on its $12 billion cash on hand, taxpayers are shelling out uh, dollars every single day to subsidize these companies. Do you know under the under AB5, was workers' compensation uh, coverage provided to the, to the Uber and Lyft worker, to all of these people? Yeah, so, uh, you know, under AB5, AB5 essentially just codified the Supreme Court decision in California uh, Dynamex. And so in, in that decision, it basically just said that companies have to meet a criteria in order to classify workers as independent contractors. If they don't meet that criteria, then the workers are employees. And Uber and Lyft clearly don't meet that criteria. So uh, under the law, Uber and Lyft are responsible for paying for, for the things that all employees get under the law, including workers' comp. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's essentially how uh, AB5 uh, interacts with, with Prop 22. And, and I would also just say that, you know, Uber and Lyft like to say that it was a new law that created this problem for them. Uber and law, Lyft have been found in violation of the law going all the way back to 2014, well before AB5 existed, well before even that Supreme Court decision existed. These companies have been breaking the law since their inception. Uh, so I think that's an important distinction that, that voters need to know. Now, in other jurisdictions, in other states and maybe other countries, uh, have has this process gone further along? Uh, are there any jurisdictions where they are absolutely classified as employees? Or is there been any place where they just decided absolutely that they are independent contractors? No, you know, they're... they're uh, this is being litigated all around the world right now. It's not just us here in California. Uh, there are, are cases in courts in, in France and England, uh, uh, you know, countries uh, across uh, Europe where Uber and Lyft are, are active. Um, this, is a, uh, this is a problem that exists throughout 
the company and throughout the globe. So yeah, you know, I think a lot of a lot of countries have been really interested in in what is happening here in California and their efforts to hold Uber and Lyft accountable have been bolstered by uh, our efforts here in California. But yeah, this certainly isn't a problem uh, that only exists in California. We're we're seeing uh, this this sort of litigation and these efforts to hold Uber and Lyft accountable happen in countries all over the world. Yeah, it was interesting. There was a radio uh, story I just heard this past weekend uh, about drivers in Africa who were protesting ride sharing apps and their their low rates. Yeah, and there was this entire movement where they. I can't remember the exact, there was a, a word that they used, but it basically made meant going rogue, you know, go, they, I think the translation was jungles, like going into the jungle pricing, and you would call up your ride on the app, the driver would show up, and then the rider would say, well, hey, what about I, you know, do you want to take this jungle? And then they would cancel the ride and pay cash. And it apparently was a huge thing, and of course, you know, the rideshare companies were losing their minds because there wasn't really a lot they could do about it unless they canceled the contract of either the rider or the driver, and then they were going to have no drivers or riders. And I thought, wow, that's really some pretty aggressive, aggressive action. I don't, I don't know that that would work here, but I thought, well, I guess it depends on how ugly <laughs> things get. Yeah, I'm not sure it would either. But uh, no, I, I, I mean, you know, we talk to drivers every day because certainly none of this would be occurring without their activism. And uh, like I said, you know, we 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 know of about fifty thousand drivers around the state right now that are organizing with various groups to hold Uber and Lyft accountable. And uh, you know, really horror stories in terms of of what they're going through. Um, you know, sleeping in their cars because they don't afford can't afford uh, rent. Uh, you know, having trouble putting the food on the table. The basic necessities. Uh, getting three, four dollars an hour uh, for their work, uh, as opposed to the minimum wage in California, which is thirteen dollars an hour. Um, it's exploitation uh, on a level you know we haven't seen since uh, the twenties and thirties, um, and that should should be a, a real red flag uh, for any legislator or policymaker who's looking about looking at what the future of work is going to be in California. Because if we allow this model uh, to expand unchecked, we're going to see a lot more uh, people struggling uh, mightily just to pay for the basic necessities of life. Uh, Steve, uh, um, it's in the hands of the courts right now, at least for now. How do you think this is going to play out with them? What do you think will happen well, with the courts? You know, there, there has never been a court uh, that has ruled uh, that drivers are not employees. Uh, never once. Uh, every single court in every jurisdiction in America that has decided a case uh, on this question has ruled that these drivers are employees. So we think, you know, once this case makes it uh, to its to its end, we think that's going to be re- the result. The problem is uh, Prop 22 stands in in the way because if Prop 22 passes, Uber and Lyft have written this thing in such a way that it can never be changed. Typically, you know, the legislature could make alterations uh, if necessary, if things change over time or evolve. In this case, seven-eighths of the legislature has to agree uh, on any changes to Prop 22. 
um, you know, you guys have been around politics for a long time. You know that seven-eighths of the legislature aren't going to agree on anything ever. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is, this is really going to set a, a horrible precedent uh, for California, and it's going to allow Uber and Lyft uh, to write their own rules, to do whatever they want for as long as they want. Um, that that's a huge problem and, and why we're advocating so strenuously uh, for voters to see this thing for what it is and, and vote no on Prop 22. Uh, Steve, one last question. How long do you think this is going to take to play out? Uh, are we just looking until the election, until after the election? Uh, or is this well, the legal I, I issue think, going to go on? I think two things. One, uh, the election obviously is, is the big date uh, because if they... If they lose in the election, we've, we're 100% confident that the court uh, will, will rule in our favor and say that these drivers are employees and agree with the Attorney General of California. Um, so I, I think that, that that court decision, we don't know exactly when that's going to come down, but it's likely to be sometime after the election. But uh, like I said, if they're successful in, in passing Prop 22, uh, the court decision could be all for naught because they will have been successful in, in passing their own law that allows them uh, to continue to cheat and exploit workers. So really the first step is uh, defeating Prop 22. The next step would be uh, that the court would rule. Uh, we, we feel very confidently in the favor of workers and the attorney general and uh, force Uber and Lyft to comply with the law. Great. Steve Smith, Communications Director for the California Labor Federation, thank you very much for chatting with us today. Tim Foster, thank you. Thanks, thank John. you so much, thank John you. and Tim. Uh, it was great to be on. Okay, thank you. And this is John Howard saying we'll Take see care. you next time around. Take care.